Hello and welcome to the 118th episode of the Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and the second half of the game hit them about, which in this case is Osiris New Dawn by Phoenix Fire Entertainment. Brian, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> well, Chris, thanks uh, again for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, yeah, I'm the uh, founder of uh, Phoenix Fire Entertainment. Uh, we're an indie game studio. We've been uh, we started primarily as a husband wife team, and uh, you know, we both come from AAA. So I used to work at Blizzard and Midway and a company called High Voltage, working on first generation Xbox and PlayStation Two games. Uh, was usually a, a lead environment artist through my career, working on games like Mortal Kombat Deception and StarCraft Ghost. And my wife is also uh, a professional. Uh, she's worked on feature films as an environment artist and texture artist, and uh, also worked in Double Helix, the collective, uh, working on a number of uh, AAA titles, too. So then we went um, and formed our company back in uh, 2010, and have been doing a number of titles since, and uh, and one of which was the incubation for what is now Osiris New Dawn. Which is an extraordinary game. I first encountered it at PAX West, as it's now known, or, or, or as at the time people were calling it PAX Quest, because they couldn't get rid of the Prime. <laughs> uh, I actually like the Prime thing, but so now I. that they have so many, it's uh, it makes sense. It does make sense, but that's not the point. <laughs> uh, when you have emotional attachments to events, as I do, I've been going since 2008 now, so when, uh-huh. they, when they changed the name, I went, yeah, I get the point, but really? Oh well. Um, but no, I was just absolutely enthralled by uh, by it and uh, absolutely thrilled to have you on the show because I've been, I've been playing it and I've been having a fantastic time with it and I can't oh, congratulate you enough on uh, creating such a terrifying game which I wasn't suspecting I wasn't suspect I didn't expect to be terrified by it but I am genuinely wow. terrified in, in certain uh, instances like I'm not going down there why because I'm going to die oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, cool because uh, we were definitely shooting for that. <laughs> yes, well done. Um, yeah. So normally at this point we sort of talk about your influences, and we can we can briefly skip over that. Can you give us any idea of what your influences are, of what you are as a creator of, of video games? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I grew up playing you know Atari and NES games. You know, the first generation uh, Nintendo. So that's kind of how I was branded as a gamer was just super fun design that is really boiled down to its pure essentials. Um, and then through the 90s, that's when I was going to school, college, all that sort of thing, and got into uh, uh, really heavily into art. I, I got my, my bachelor's in fine art, um, which was uh, a, a blast going to school for art, I, I would definitely recommend it. <laughs> but anyway, as far as influences go, obviously Star Wars, right? I mean, one of my first memories is watching uh, the original uh, A New Hope in the theater. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget uh, the trench run as a kid. Even to this day, still 
that was just nuts. How how Lucas thought that up, I don't know, but it was just amazing. So yeah, it was just yeah, it was just amazing, and uh, uh, just going through the original trilogy and being you know four, five, six years old when uh, when all that was happening and hitting, it was it just kind of affects you on such a deep level. Um, and then of course from there, getting into uh, you know, much later, of course, Starship Troopers was a huge influence. I was blown you away. I was that film too. I'm always hesitant yeah. about putting my hand up and going, "That's that's quite a good film." <laughs> but you know, you, yeah, it's a good film. I enjoy it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, they didn't really have any big actors or anything like that. But man, I was just really blown away by how, um, just how intense it got. Uh, yeah. when, when they were fighting the arachnids, uh, all the gore and everything, it was just amazing, um, that they were, that they went for it like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and that you were on this other planet and anything could happen. I mean, here they are a bunch of, uh, you know, it's a platoon. They're walking through the Canyon and then one guy just gets taken by this, uh, flying insect thing and, ha- and suffers this horrible death. I mean, it, out of nowhere, and then they just keep trucking, right? Yeah. They're like, okay, yeah, you know. Uh... I, I think uh, I think the sergeant shoots him in the chest and says, "I would expect any of you do any of you to do the same for me." And it's like, wow, that's that's pretty hardcore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the books that it's based on is is uh, equally uh, odd and uh, sort of lacking in empathy of uh, sanctity of life, which is a sort of a strange and, uh, way of uh, looking at how uh, we'll end up. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, I just love the satire in those in that film. It's just so... Yeah, so the satire sad. was great, too. Like, the, do you want to know more? Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, the... Uh, oh, my God. The way that they depicted how the media would take a war like this where... You know, you got this show host talking about the idea of a smart bug offends me. <laughs> I could <Yeah>. totally see <laughs> that kind of thing happening, right? Yeah, so yeah well, it was, yeah. Consider- it was so well done. Yeah, it's, I think that's why it, was, uh, it resonates with me. I know, it's not it's not Citizen Kane. Then again, every film doesn't have to be Citizen Kane, does it? No. So No, uh, it, yeah. it didn't pretend to be anything that it, it was, yeah. right? I mean, it was... It was it did a great job doing exactly what it set out to do, and, and I would have been really proud of it if I directed that movie. You know, I, I thought it I thought was fantastic. But I, I, I do have to say, one of the biggest influences, uh, uh, even above Starship Troopers, is basically anything that Ridley Scott has done. Right. Just, uh, you know, top to bottom. The Aliens series, yeah, huge. Like, uh, you know, Alien... I it was too scary for me. It's terrifying. I was I think I was like seven years old yeah. when it came out. You had no, six, yeah. So you had no business. I, I wasn't even allowed to yeah. watch it. No, yeah, no. I wasn't allowed to watch it. No. But then when um, when Aliens came out, man, that was so great. It was. It was a video so game. Great. You and I know it was a video game. But awesome. It was a good one. <laughs> it was a good. <laughs> uh, and Bill Paxton, you know, adding in the comedic relief, you know, oh, but her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Over, it, I'm not sure if any of that is ad libbed. I think it was. I'll have to check. It was probably just yeah, yeah. ad libbed first take, and it was yeah. like perfect. You know, <laughs> game over, man. Game over. Yeah. One of the first of one of the first lines in a major blockbuster movie that uh, uh, featured video games as a cultural phenomenon. Him saying "game over, man." Yeah, wasn't that like 
87. Yes, yeah, it was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah mid 80s. I mean, uh, I didn't have this NES because, or NES, I was, uh, I'm British, as you probably tell. So we didn't have the NES until much later. Or we didn't take to the NES at all. I know, weird, right? Uh, but you know this anyway, because yeah. I know you probably worked with a lot of British people in your, in your history. And they all just go, uh-huh. oh yeah, I had a Spectrum. What? <laughs> you know what a Spectrum is now, right? But at the time, like, a what? <laughs> so, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. But, uh, that, that huge schism between the Europe and America existed until the, the PlayStation arrived. It's like, we didn't play the NES, please go away. <laughs> you know, we had, we had the Spectrum and that was great, you know. But anyway, yeah. I'm conscious of the time. So let us move on to sure. the second half of the show now where we delve deep into the design uh, decisions you made and all the things that how it came to be how Osiris New Dawn uh, came to be is Osiris Nidor. Well, wow. Uh, so it's a... Uh, it's kind of hard to, man, sum up like that. Oh, yeah. Essentially, yeah. it takes uh, it takes place about 40 to 50 years in the future, and this is mankind's first attempt to actually harness light speed travel. So we've, we've come to the conclusion, because of all the problems that we're currently experiencing here on Earth that we need to be a multi-planetary species. And so we need to, for the good of our own survival, uh, start colonizing other solar systems, other other planets. And so the uh, United Nations of Earth, which is one of the factions in the game, decides to get together and, and, and form the OSIRIS missions. Uh, and, and I realize I'm kind of giving you the story instead of giving you the, uh, oh, it's an RPG survival online experience. You know, I, it doesn't one work. Thing, it doesn't work. Yeah, so you're, what you're yeah. doing is spot on. It's absolutely spot yeah. on. Please carry on. Don't do not, don't, okay. you don't have to defend yourself, sir. You're doing a great job. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the Osiris mission, which, um, the, uh, even the term Osiris, we, we put thought into that. That is the, uh, uh, Egyptian god of the afterlife and also of rebirth. So it's sort of symbolic. It's like this is mankind's rebirth into the uh, you know expanses of space. And so the UNE created the Osiris One mission and uh, sent the first spacecraft into the Gliese 581 system, which is a scientifically found and cataloged system that has and harbors Earth-like planets. And so they sent they sent them there. Uh, as far as they know, everything went okay. They were able to start colonizing, but then we have lost contact with them. So then they created the OSIRIS-2 mission, which is the one that you're on 
and sent you out after them. And what happens, this isn't in the game yet, but this is kind of the, the I'm kind of giving you the whole grand scheme of where we want to take the story and, and uh, you know, the overall direction here. But uh, what happens is, is when you come out of light speed, the fold engines actually uh, malfunction during the braking process, which is kind of interesting because when you watch other sci-fi movies or whatever, light speed travel is always this like, oh, you just flip the switch, you go to light speed and you come out. But could you imagine, how do you test for light speed travel if you're a scientist? You know, how, how do you, the only way to test it is just to do it. Well, it's in theory and, right now, it's actually physically possible, is it? To go well, of course, <laughs> of course. But like, if it actually becomes theoretically possible, and if it is something that can essentially be done somehow, right. if it's going through a wormhole or whatever it is scientifically, I mean, it goes way beyond anything I could even begin to comprehend. But whatever the system is, could you imagine if you were one of the first pilots in a vehicle like that, and then to come out of it? And then have it malfunction, and uh, and then you have to kind of escape, and that's what happens. Yeah, you uh, you park in low orbit above a moon uh, that we call Proteus Two, which is the first um, planet. It's actually a, a moon, but we're calling it a planet. Just well, they for... are worlds. It just happen to be satellites to other yeah. worlds. I mean, yeah, let's not go into uh, astrophysics now. Hey, astrophysics, everyone! It's a great subject, but it's not the subject. <laughs> Of this show, uh, but uh... yeah, we actually we actually uh, got uh, uh, contacted by one of the uh, scientists who found the Gliese five eighty one system, oh, really? and it was really cool. Yeah, they want to like collaborate; they're super excited about the game. But but anyhow, um, yeah. So you park in low orbit, and you have to get down to the surface, and then boom, you are on this alien world. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what the temperature is like. You don't know what the atmospheric makeup is like. You don't know what creatures are around. Oh, God, yes, and, the creatures. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from what and then disease mind did they right? spring from? But, yeah, yeah, um, there you go indeed. And that's the one thing that struck me when I played it at PAX West was the variety and ingenuity of these creatures. They are incredible. I don't know where you got them from, possibly from biology text, you know, possible evolutionary traits that creatures on Earth went one way and didn't survive and got off to another. Uh, but what if they did survive? What if they did evolve? And you probably answered, right. you probably answered those questions. I love, I love that revisionist history of natural history. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me. And I think you've... Absolutely. Yeah, I think you've explored it here. I, I love all those, um, you know, the, I, I guess those movies or shows about... Life, I think. I think life is one of the uh, documentary style uh, National Geographic or Discovery Channel uh, type shows that they go into these different biospheres and talk about all the different kinds of creatures, animals, you know, insects, everything that live in there, and, and just what a day in the life is for these creatures and, and all that. And I'm fascinated by that. Um, there's another one called, I think, uh, Deep Blue, which is all about the ocean and everything, and it just blows your mind. It's like, this is on our planet? Jeez, this stuff is crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I would, I would just eat all that up, and, and you know, as we're, as we're building this first moon planet, I, uh, I'm like, okay, let's do something like this. 
it it has it has a temperature range. It has a certain kind of you know mineral makeup. Has a certain kind of atmospheric makeup. Let's let's not go too crazy with this first starter planet. You know, like obviously we could do something where the gravity is like five times higher or like a fifth as much as Earth gravity. Well, you'd obviously, get crushed, we could you? You just... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And we could, and we have support for all of that in the game. You know. Uh, right. Uh, gravity modifiers and everything, you know, all that is, all that is in, you know, the uh, how long it takes for the uh, planet to, you know, uh, orbit around and make a make a day, you know, rotate around, uh, all that is is completely, you know, possible to have that change on a per planet basis. So we could have planets that the day is forever, and then you go to the other side of the planet and it's night forever. Right. You know, and so on. So it's pretty exciting, like what we could do with all of that. And we're really just scratching the surface. So this first planet, we wanted to play with it a little bit, right? But not get too crazy. So well, I've got a question, uh, more design-based question now for you. At its core, Osiris Dawn: New Dawn is an explore, build, and survival game. That's how I see it. You may see it differently, but that's how I've absorbed it, and, and that's how I play it. Um, how difficult has it been for you to properly communicate to the player uh, the a pace of progression and set reasonable goals for them? You know, it's something that we've put a lot of thought into uh, and tried a lot of different things. You know, uh, honestly, I don't really play a lot of survival games uh, or RPGs, you know, as of late, right? I... Um, uh, I've been, especially these last five years, been spending a lot more time making games than playing games. So as far as like what's what the current trends are and expectations and all of that, I, I honestly don't really even know. Um, our, of course, our publisher Reverb has been helping us with with that sort of aspect, and they've been fantastic in that respect, especially with their experience on Arc uh, has been has been really. Uh, you know, a, a, a big advantage that we have to kind of ask them, like, well, so how do other survival games do this? And if they, you know, is this is this a convention? So we, we kind of start getting into conversations about what's conventional and what's not, because the way that we've developed the game is we just put the blinders on. We started with subject matter and setting, and the first order of business was let's make you immersed in this world. Let's get the weather system really working. And that's that was a big turning point for us is when we got the terrain looking nice and we put in this, the, the sky system and then got weather working and changing. Suddenly it really felt like we were there. And that's, that's where we started with all of this. Um, and then just sort of built the game in concentric circles outward from that point. There's there's two things that always strike me when I see alien landscapes. I'm sure you and I have looked at them over the years. You know, yes, album covers and that sort of thing. You know, Roger Dean sort of sure. amazing structures. And, yeah. and there's two things that have always fascinated me when I see these. There's only two things on them. It's usually a planet with some rings in the background, which you've got. Thumbs up! Uh, it's not cliche. It's exactly what I wanted to see. And this is beautiful. And it's a lovely, lovely setting on a dark, horrific uh, environment. Sorry, that's not horrifically bad. Just genuinely horrific, everyone. I'll come on to that in a minute. Um, 
But um, then there's a usually some sort of artificial construct in the sky. It's not not in the case of Osiris New Dawn, at least not yet. He says. Uh, but uh, you know, I've always found, like for example, the image of uh, a floating, um, very large spaceship just in the sky. It's just like sure. how 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 is that? I don't. It still looks pretty impressive, and also slightly scary. Like, what's it doing there? You know. <laughs> but, right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's something you may be exploring in the future. I don't know. But uh, um, you know, yeah. when when I was uh, when I was in college, uh, one of the things that I one of my best experiences was that we had this observatory and for extra credit, I was taking this astronomy class and I've always been fascinated with astronomy. Um, but for extra credit, we could go to the observatory and, uh, and take a look and, and write our little report. And so went down there with a bunch of my uh, friends from my dorm floor. And I don't know if it was just the right time of year or whatever, but they had this telescope pointed at Saturn and it was just posed perfectly the way that the rings were on a tilt and facing towards you slightly it was it was in a one of the most amazing experiences ever was just knowing that i am looking at that thing and it's out there and it's right there and it's beautiful and it's ginormous and and you know i i know that you know having planets with rings is kind of cliche but i i can't help it it's just it's just too amazing a lot of and planets so like, have them it's not cliched a lot of have you know right. because they have scientifically yes, yes absolutely because yeah there's there's so many reasons why it, the rings might exist it's quite odd the planets planets don't actually uh uh because there's all these material that's smashing into the side of them and they throw out all the dust up in the atmosphere it's got to go somewhere <laughs> Gotta go somewhere, yeah. You know, and then another little fun fact about solar systems is more than half of all solar systems are binary stars. Yeah. Yeah, again, we're a bit, is, a bit weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you get, you get vampiric stars. You get a, uh, you know, a neutron star that is eating up a, a you know, super giant. Yeah. And uh, and then just it, it creates so we that's that's where we want to take this game. I mean, we want to we're focusing on getting one planet really good and figure out what does it take to make a really good planet. Understand that top to bottom before really kind of moving into planet two because that's you know we could have taken the approach of let's have let's launch with twenty planets and they're all just kind of mediocre and there's not really a whole lot to do. We decided let's go less is more. You know, let's let's focus in and make one planet really great. Let's yeah. really understand how to do that, and then once we understand that, then we can propagate and start adding more planets. Yeah, because the other route has already been done, Sean, and uh, <laughs> uh, and it's, yeah, it kind of worked, but I don't know. Uh, I still like that, but anyway, I want to ask you about the music. Uh, sure. The music really intrigued me because it seems to be entirely contextual. Um, I have to ask, why did you go with this way with the score, and how challenging has it been to integrate this into Osiris New Dawn? So, first of all, the music that we're using is actually just royalty-free music that we purchased. We don't. We're just a two-man team, so we didn't have. And, and both of us are musicians. 
but neither of us had any time whatsoever to compose symphonic score. And we knew that we wanted that. We wanted, like what you said, you know, contextual music, something with lots of texture, something symphonic. We wanted the game to feel like a movie, uh, more, more, more so than a game. And, and so we, we found some really nice music that we could use. Uh, and the big component that we focused on was having the music go along to the weather. So the, the weather, the, the, the planet is alive. The weather is changing. Oh, yes. The creatures, <laughs> the creatures change depending on the weather. And, and all these things, the lighting, everything is all dynamic. And, and we had that all in. Then it was the environment sounds was the next layer. And then finally after that was, hey, when it's raining, what's a good rain song? You know, if it's uh, sunny, what's a good sunny song? And so on. And, and, uh, and I just had a lot of fun with it, putting together uh, almost like a dynamic score based on what was happening in the game. And I... I feel like it's still not perfected. I feel like we're we're moving in the right direction, uh, but it's it's been a lot of fun and it's really exciting. So I'm going to sort of merge two points together here because they're related to one another. Um, I've already mentioned it. I've hinted it several times during the show, but I'll, there's a reason for that because I'm building to a point. The point being, there are terrors outside in the planet um, at night and when there's a nasty dust storm and other things. Um, I personally have got to a point where, like, I heard something, span round, saw a thing, probably three times as big as I was. I just ran uh, to my hab- <laughs> to my habitat in the vain hope that it wouldn't smash it up. It didn't, amazingly, but uh, uh, it did uh, spend a lot of time outside, kicking and, and fussing and getting very angry at me, but for for not being doing a decent thing and allowing myself to be eaten. Um, so there's two parts to this question. There's, there's that part, you know, how you manage to balance, you know, the the, 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 the encroaching monsters that do do cause uh, havoc to your desperate attempts to build a colony uh, on Proteus Two. But also, um, there's a multiplayer aspect to to Osiris, which we haven't spoken about. But I think this feeds into having to group together to work together against the planet which really doesn't want you being on there thank you very much <laughs> right right yeah because this is uh this is nature right and uh, nature in a lot of ways is just kind of cruel and heartless um and this is space and space doesn't agree with you it doesn't care i i think uh, uh you know here on Earth, I mean, we're just so used to all of our luxury, especially these days. Um, could you imagine just not being able to go outside unless you got a spacesuit on? Yeah. And then yeah. to realize that if there's any kind of crack or whatever, you could implode, explode, die of, uh, and, and you could die of uh, lack of oxygen within, you know, one or two minutes. And as far as I understand, it's a it's a slow slide straight into unconsciousness within two minutes. Yeah, it's uh, basically you, you, you don't even realize it's happening. The universe is saying you have no business being here. You've broken every yeah. rule I can think of. You even went past the speed of light, which is outrageous. So here's right. your punishment. <laughs> and it's basically the universe <laughs> pushing back. And what do we do as a species when the universe puts back pushes back every single time? We group together. And we push back. Uh, yeah, and that's the big experiment. Yeah. That's the experiment of this game is 
you know, I mean, again, we're, we're just a two-man team making this thing. So we played multiplayer. We've had multiplayer working from the very beginning um, and single player kind of working simultaneously. So it was a daunting task. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I, you know, two guys, all these features, uh, vehicles, first person, third person, uh, spaceships, low orbit, uh, you know, space travel, all that stuff, uh, all this AI, everything. I mean, it's just so, you know, we have melee, we have, uh, you know, shooting weapons, uh, just ridiculous, not, not even getting into the structure building and all that. Um, but, yeah, we played multiplayer a lot, but it was just the two of us. And we didn't, we didn't want to get anybody else involved because, you know, it just wasn't ready yet. And so that's uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to, to do early access is, hey, let's, let's get more people in here and just see what happens and see how we can improve it. I mean, look at so, that's what That was just like, oh, I've made this thing. Have fun. Oh God! <laughs> and, and you know, that's, that's what happened with DayZ. You know, it just exploded, and uh, people fighting over bait bean cans. It was amazing. Yeah, so I, I really look forward to seeing how uh, uh, colonies form together, how they start building bases. This is the very beginning, like where we want to take this. Um, I promised. I promised uh, marketing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say, but it's it's going to be very exciting. Uh, I, um, where, I lo- where we one take thing, the whole base building part. What I'm employing the listener now is that this is very much early access of a capital glowing E. That's you yes. know, it's four times as big as the rest of the early access phrase, um, and it's basically saying, look, you can be at the ground level up and make this into a help, um, uh, help Phoenix Fire Entertainment make it into something quite exceptional. And you've got a chance to do that, and that's why I wanted to bring you on the show when I knew that you'd. From what I played of it, it's like this is, has. I'm not going to use the word potential because it's it sounds a bit. But there's more to it than that. There's there's so much you could do with this, and I'm very very excited for it. And what I've played of it, even if it is only a one small moon, and yes, it is a moon. <laughs> um, just, <laughs> let's not bring that one out. Uh, and that. Is a, you know I've still had so much fun and terror at the same time. Uh, there's been some times when I said, you know what, I need to quit now because I'm terrified. Uh, because you know, just, just there was one time I got out and I could see a, a movement, and then it turned out to be a leg of something that was again like, <laughs> what? Awesome. And I just just run, run, you know. <laughs> so it's my my basic defence. And actually, there's you know, guidance out there that tells you the best form of defence is run. What about no? Just run. Seriously, just just run. Um, I used to run a I used to run a cinematic studio, and I um, I also uh, worked with the Blizzard cinematic team. And there's you know definitely something that you have an advantage when you're when you're making a story, making a cinematic. You could compose exactly the shot that you want to get the emotion that you want at the specific time yeah. with all the anticipation and everything. It's entirely different to try to compose that sort of a feel when everything is just all real time, all happening, all dynamic in yeah. all directions. You can't set it up. And you can only put the variables in. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I spent a lot of time um, making sure that we at least had something in that department because that was that was really key to the immersion that I wanted to uh, 
to achieve. But yeah, I mean, going back to you know how to support us, uh, I think you know we've been. I'm pinching myself. We debuted at number one on Steam, and uh, we've been number one for a couple of days now, and it's been it's been hugely humbling. I think um, I think I would just ask the community to realize: look, we're a small team, but we know what we're doing. I mean, I've been in this industry for 16 years now, um, working at some of the biggest studios in the world on some of the biggest projects. Uh, I. I can build this project to a much larger scale, and I need your help to get us there. And the way to help us is obviously buy the game <laughs> and and then to give us constructive criticism, right? Don't expect this. I mean, if you're, com- if you're coming from a AAA experience like a Call of Duty that is super polished with huge... Um, you know, bug reporting teams that it goes through all of all of that before it lands in your hands. You're not going to experience that with us because we don't we don't have that. We're just a couple of indie guys. That said, we're starting to ramp up. We I have a lot of friends in this industry, a lot of top senior talent that I could bring in to help with this. So if you write a review, please write a positive review. If if there's something negative or constructive. Talk to us in the forums. Help us that way. Because if you write negative reviews, it might turn people away from buying the game. And if people don't buy the game, then we can't take this thing any further. Well, yes. And um, also here, you and I are talking about it and sharing it with the world. Uh, And that's going to help you raise its profile. It's all good. Um, Osiris New Dawn is out on Windows PC. Is that right? That's right. And uh, it's on Steam right now uh, early access do check it out this is a true early access game it's not a game that's been thrown up and said you know let's just fund it there's a crowdfunding thing no 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 it's not that it genuinely is asking for help to say look where can we go with this where would you want us to go where do you don't want us to go and uh, just help uh, and also be part of something quite remarkable Brian yeah we want we want to build it yeah we want to build it with the audience that's that's what we're here to do 100% so Brian thank you very very much for your precious time I really appreciated it I'm glad you got something out of it at least I hope you have uh, absolutely Chris thanks so much for having me yeah, and uh, we do wish you the best of luck in your future endeavours and we'll be keeping a close eye out uh, and when and I mean when uh, Osiris uh, New Dawn actually does get released uh, for realsies as they say um we will uh, we'll definitely be crowing from the rooftop saying this game's awesome you should play it and buy it so again thanks very much Brian thank you and so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory do leave us an iTunes review and you can also don't forget listen to us on stitcher.com so just go to stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer and listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stablemate podcast, shall we say, of spong.com. Bye!